so I went down a rabbit hole and like a very deep one. Like I passed Alice in Wonderland. I passed the rabbit. I passed everything. I passed all the clocks, the queen of hearts, <laughs> this Vanderpump rabbit hole. Maybe not the queen of hearts because maybe that's Lee. No, it's not Lisa. Lisa's sweeter than that. So I, I start to go back and just dig through all this stuff and realize that all these years I spent in between away from it, I really didn't forget anything. I remembered my Katie stories and my Schwartz, my Sandoval, my Jax, my Brittany, Sheena, Lala, James, and it just, I mean, it, Kristen and Stasi. I mean, it all started to come back to me, all of it, in a way that made me feel like I never left. So at night now, yeah, when I was Dan and his friends, uh, Vanderpump friends hanging out on a Wednesday night, <laughs> just me and my people. And you know what I realized is that I really feel like I could hang with that crew. I mean, I would have arguably, I don't know if I should say, I shouldn't say it like that. I, I think everybody feels that way. And I think that's why the show is so iconic. I think that like I'm their age. Okay. Yeah. A lot of their ages, uh, especially like the, the Schwartz and Jacks of the world. And even when they were in their early thirties, starting on the show, I still was in sort of like, I wasn't working in bars and stuff, but I definitely was still going out. I wasn't married yet. Like all those things. So I think that there's a lot of people that have kind of the last 10 or 11 years yeah. grown up with them and that's why it's so relatable and i would i would go so far to a guess that and I, this is a good statistic we should look this up maybe maybe if you guys um if you guys watch the show and you know the statistic please message us um but my guess is that the majority of viewers are over 30 35 years old that would be my guess yeah i mean probably and so i mean watching but watching it and feeling like I just remembered like, oh, here's the gang here. Here are all these people. I remember them. And then I thought to myself, I've served at a restaurant before and I've helped run a restaurant's yeah. dining room before. I'm like, I could, I could do this. Number one, the women are incredibly beautiful. I want to give them credit for that. Okay. I, okay, okay. I don't know where this is going, but I can tell you right now, Lisa Vanderpump, if you're listening, Dan has decided to leave his current career and <laughs> life, and he feels that he could help maybe be a Peter, like um, a general manager of one of your uh, restaurants. I, I will tell you this. I'm not leaving any of my career, but okay. I will. I always add, I don't subtract unless it's, uh, unless it's a, a dead end road. So- Same. So I would tell you okay. that I would be willing to work into my schedule a three-month stint at, you know, one of Lisa Vanderpump's restaurants so that I could test my dating and test my ability to deal with intense drama since I feel like I have... Now, there's times where I watch this show and it makes me feel better because I think that my stories are crazier than anybody else's. And yet Sandoval and Jackson company can one up my stories somehow. And then there's other times where I feel like, yeah, I, I think I would know how to deal with these people. I just would, I just wonder my interaction with them. So I, I went down the rabbit hole and I'm watching it and I go back to like season seven and season eight and season nine. And I go to like the, the, the COVID times where they're trying to 
you know, do everything social distancing. I went back to Jackson, Brittany, take Kentucky, and I had Vietnam flashbacks of of a girl I dated in North Carolina. And there was too many things that hit close to home with how Jax was treated. Now, I don't cheat on women. I never have. And I'm not Jax-esque. I can relate to Jax in the sense of I dated a girl from the South who had a family that didn't like outsiders. And I felt the same way about Jax with Kentucky as I felt with being a New Yorker dating a girl from North Carolina. And not that every family in North Carolina is like that, but her family definitely was. Her dad was. Her dad was. I mean, I I have to say that. I mean, the mom is fun. The mom was good. Yes. And the grandmother too liked him too. I remember watching this and I remember like, they liked him. I think the mom definitely has some of the Britney in her when it comes to like the lights camera action, like wanting yeah, yeah. that whole thing. And I think any any dad who the, the guy has got an ego and he, you know, he's already treated her bad once. I think any dad would usually be like, all right, like, I don't know if I trust this guy. You know, Dan, though, you'd strike me as you strike me as well. I know you don't strike me. You, I know this about you. You're like a good kid. You're all these things. And listen, I was too growing up until like college age. But I can tell you, this group, this crew of people, deeply mirrors what my 20s and early 30s were like. I mean, I mean, deeply mirrors. We worked at bars. We cheated on each other. We had friends screwing our boyfriends. Like we were out partying on the hours of the night you know what i mean like it for me i mean it it hits close to home so like when i watch i feel like yeah i could hang out with you guys because you're very much like um everybody i've ever hung out with yeah I, mean, I i don't have that i have the like you know i've auditioned for big brother and got called down to new york city so i feel like it would be an experience but i think being single would I wouldn't go on the show if I was dating. I feel like being single and going on the show would be interesting. And I would just like to see, you know, are you know, how are these people behind the camera, in front of the camera? Are they really playing something up? Is this is this a storyline? Is this staged for, you know, Vanderpump's ratings are going down. So let's let's stage this, you know, Sandoval thing or whatever. Yeah, I don't but, think that was staged at all. But I will tell you, if you haven't read um there's a book by a guy named Dave Quinn that is um not all oh god i don't know it's like not all diamonds or not all rose i don't know I, i'm gonna give it to you guys i'm gonna i'll get back to you because i've read it but anyway it is tall it is tell all stories of the making of all the housewife shows yeah. and from each of the seasons the back end how they pick the ladies like all this stuff and if you are a Bravo junkie for this, this type of thing, I mean, I think what's interesting about what Bravo's done compared to like a big brother or whatnot is in most cases, they are bringing together people that know each other, work yeah. together or are friends or, or whatever. And that's, I think was the, that was the goal of Sir in the first place or Vanderpump is to get all these people that work together, these beautiful people on this show. Yeah. I think that that is where like the big drama goes because i think any of these other shows survivor big brother uh bachelor any of those where you you're not coming in knowing anyone everybody is teed up ready to perform so i think like you know what i mean like i think but 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 going back to the book they say in it specifically and and i actually just listened to um and i listened to behind the velvet rope uh with joe judice the other night of judice the other night and he was saying that um, Teresa's ex-husband, he was saying that, yeah, like 
something really happens. And then what happens is the producer will say, we need to get you guys together, go to lunch, and then I need you to bring it back up. Yeah. So it's based on their real lives, but they're being told to bring it up on camera. Yeah, I mean, they're 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 basically saying like, hey, this is your story, but right. I need, but I need you to I need you to to go deeper into like you know where where some people would say, hey, uh, it's it's not healthy for me to live in this drama. The producer's like, no, 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 we need you to live in this drama. You know, we need to keep talking about this cheating, keep talking about what happened. Now, I, I mean, going back and watching all these past Vanderpumps down the rabbit hole. I I guess I think at this point we could put together a montage of every time somebody goes, hey, Jack's cheated and him going, no, I didn't. And then going, yeah, you know what I did? Yeah, I, did. And like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. that and I think it's it's what is it they say that the the coffee call in the kettle black when when Jack's is mad at Sandoval today, like now for being this cheater and this liar when, you know, Jack's has been a cheater and a liar. And, and I just, I mean, I think when I went down, when I went down the rabbit hole and I went all the way back in this history, I remembered how annoying Sheena was and just how much of a, like, oh my gosh, nails on a chalkboard. And then I like her and, and, and Sheena goes through this, like she's likable. And then she's, and then she's like all about herself and she's the center of attention and she's annoying. I like Sheena. Uh, but, she is well, likable. Well, the, but this is the thing. She's likable, but she goes through like she's likable. Then she's a jerk. She gets involved where she doesn't need to be involved. She makes everything about her. She cries for no reason. Then she's likable again. And but that, I mean, let me tell you something. That last episode, she has gotten so much praise for like that monologue with Sandoval. She said on uh, one of her podcasts that that conversation was actually like an hour and a half, but you only saw like three minutes of it or whatever. Yeah. But the from the fan base, because you're right, the fan base, I feel like definitely sides with you on this. Like she's kind of annoying or whatever. Yeah, uh, she yeah. got so much praise for that as if it was like a monologue and then in the reunion when they sent her off stage and she's in the background i don't know if you like when you start watching a lot of the stuff don't be surprised if your instagram suddenly is pulling up every bravo site for you as like a sponsored so yeah. anyway i follow all the bravo sites and every meme i saw was sheena is all of us watching this vanderpump reunion she's sitting there she's eating her chips and she's like yeah, yeah. you know and i'm like this is like this is how i felt watching it i was like i couldn't stop yeah, well, and, and I think, I mean, but the other part of it was when I when I went back and I, you know, I started to reacclimate with everything and it came back so easily, I did not know Raquel because the years that I watched it, she wasn't on the nice. show. So I experienced as early as last night going back and watching episodes and seeing Raquel and seeing, you know, I was like, she's she's so beautiful. She's like, she's young. She's like a... She she had this young innocence, like she's a beautiful girl. She's obviously of age. She's 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 at this, you know, she she's, you know, out there being a bartender or not a bartender, but being a server and doing all. This. So it's like she's she's this model, sweet, like girl next door, but still a beautiful woman. She she loves James. She just wants him to, like, stop drinking and behave. And I see her. So I think it was interesting. And I think some people need to do this. There was an innocence to going back a couple seasons and getting to know Raquel and getting to know this person that like Lisa takes under her wing and she wants to just feel comfortable. And then seeing the diabolical 
demonic version of this woman that like does things and doesn't cry and doesn't have any emotion and doesn't like think that it's bad. And I mean, to see Raquel the way I saw her going back after everything that's happened now and see this long blonde hair, I'm just so happy to be here. But then you, you start to see remnants not remnants. You start to see like little seeds of what she's becoming when at the end of one season, she's like, I think I'm the hottest. I think I'm arguably the hottest girl here now. And then you see hindsight's 2020, you know what I mean? Knowing what you know now, but you, but it's like, if you do go back, you see her now, she was this like, James, just love me. I'm so attracted to you. And I keep, and I'm looking at her going like, why James? Like, I feel like you could, you could do better than that situation with James. But then I'm proud of James for being sober. And then, but wow. it's like t- to watch their relationship and watch how like she's so in love with him and that you think like he hit the jackpot and then you see her now and you're like, oh my gosh, like she's just a mean girl. Like it's, it just. What the- makes you think that Jane, like everyone was like, oh, she dodged a bullet. No, James dodged a bullet. James da- you know what? This is the one time I can say that James dodged a bullet. I don't know you if know there's any other time where James wasn't the bullet itself. Right. This time, but it, but yeah, I mean. So I, okay. So, so, so to all that. I got so many thoughts because I. So do I, because I actually, okay. Okay. So I don't think you've seen it yet, but last night they played the, uh, the never before scenes. Okay. So I just watched it this morning and um, I'm very on top of my pop culture people. I've got to watch it in the (laughs) car, wherever I got to get to it. I watch a lot of never before scenes because they went back to the. They, right. They do do that. Right. And And so I don't usually watch that, but because of the situation, I watched last night's never before scenes and Lisa is narrating it. And it's basically like we picked up the cameras and whatever. Here's my first thought is there's no way somebody in production didn't know. And I say this because the never before scenes, they zoned in on Sandoval's face when she was speaking. It just feels like somebody knew and somebody wanted it to get out regardless. Okay. So that's my first thought. Second thought is, um, and I want to come back to this Katie and Schwartz thing. Let's come back to this on this divorce thing because there was a scene where they had a very vulnerable scene. And I want to talk about that in a minute, but um, here's the thing. If you watched it, the never before scenes, mm-hmm. uh, Sandoval and, and Raquel supposedly had their first night together, guys night, when Ariana was away or something. So when, in she, the came, before, when she came up and James was there and he let, yeah. So, okay. So in the never before scenes, it looks like the next day, Mm-hmm. Raquel comes over with flowers for Ariana like she's back in town now it could be bad editing and it honestly could be when her grandmother died that she had just gotten back from that I can't figure that part out yet I need to go back and watch it but uh, again to make sure I heard that right but if that is the case she mm-hmm. shows up with a bouquet of flowers okay she hands the flowers over Tom and Ariana are sitting there at and they're all talking about Raquel's like telling a story and listen married we had a roommate my best friend who lived with us and she would tell us stories and it was the same thing like we're sitting there and we're eating and we're like tell us more about your night like she's got the wildlife we don't like that's what it was like so Raquel is telling them stories she's telling the story about Oliver how she meets Oliver at the bar and she didn't know he was married and then Lala gave her the the proceed on kissing him so she's like yeah so we made out at the bar now if it's the next day she's just slept with Sandoval the night before and Sandoval's like huh like laughing yeah like that's weird yeah. it was just 
bizarre. Well, and if you did not know what you know, it wouldn't, you would never in a million years think that they had hooked up the night before. Well, and the thing is, well, th this is the other thing I want to hit at because this makes no sense to me. And no matter how many times I watch it, there's a, there's something that makes no sense to me that happened. Why is Sandoval excited and pushing Schwartz to make out with Raquel when he's sleeping with Raquel behind his girlfriend's back? Is it really because he wanted there to be a veil? I mean, that's your best friend. So making here's my theory on that. I have a theory. I mean, that, I mean, that's that's literally, I mean, you're, are you trying to become Eskimo cousins? Like, that's just weird. No. Uh, here's what I think. I think that... I think that he maybe was in a place where he and Raquel hadn't hooked up in a while because they say the second time was in Mexico and that was after she kissed Schwartz or before. I, I, yeah, but, but, but knowing Sandoval's personality from what we've seen, he would be jealous of, of, of anybody. But here's what I think. I think him and Ariana started doing better because he made, they've made comments for like, no, we were actually doing better. Or we were trying to do this or we were going to counseling and things were getting better. I think that maybe he was trying to push her on Swartz because he did like hanging out with her so much. So it was kind of like, well, then we'd all be together all the time, like in a but weird that, way. But, that's, but that, I mean, is there not a part of you that believes that Sandoval could become a serial killer? Um, No, but I mean, is he a narcissist? I mean, sure, sure. I just feel like the must. But I don't think not all, not all narcissists are going to be serial killers. They're not all Ted Bundy's. But, but, but there's something about his ability to lie for so long and to be so I don't know. There's just something about him that's and I know Katie called him a serial killer's wet dream because he's friends with everybody. But but oh, I Schwartz, yeah, Schwartz that Schwartz that. Yeah. But I but I just see Sandoval as the. I don't know, there's something about him that that I'm going to put it to you like this. If there's ever an E true Hollywood story of like criminal like of like some dark deep thing that happened with him i'm gonna literally call you up and never be surprised about okay that. so i was actually gonna say we need a deep dive mm -hmm. um and i don't think any of our listeners are deep divers into this but if they are please speak um i send us a note um i think that we need a deep dive into his past because yeah. it seems like he's got normal family but i do think we need because look we all know he moved to la he wanted to be an actor we know he interviewed for or auditioned for the modeling shoot for the Hills. We know like he wanted to be a star and that is prevalent in his traveling around with his stupid band that sucks. Like he wants to be a star and that's what his whole life is based on is this fandom, you know, but there are so many scenes from the past where he was extremely sensitive and like, and I don't mean that in a good way, almost to me, it was almost like, like I wouldn't be attracted to a guy like that, that gets so emotional about shit, but teach their own. I mean, obviously he has no issues getting girls, but like also he's skinny. So again, he's just not my type, but I'm just saying, you know, clearly people loved him or liked him a lot for a reason. I think it is because he's emotional and sensitive acting. But right now, I think the switch from that guy of the past to this guy of not showing emotion is really throwing the fans through a loop. And that's, what's giving that serial killer vibe. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and if you took the deep dive that I did, and went back a few seasons when he went to Jax's bachelor party, Google he put it. on that fake mustache as part of his thing. And now he has the real mustache that looks almost identical to the fake one that he wore for Jax's thing. So it's almost like he's taken on a new Sandoval yeah. personality. 
Like, is this person, is this another personality that's been born out of this guy who creates personalities so that he can say that it wasn't him that cheated on Ariana, but yet a piece of himself. So basically, he's crazy. you think he's a sociopath? Yes. We've diagnosed you, Sandoval, as a sociopath. I think he's, I, I think, I honestly. Most serial killers do identify as, I think. Right. Well, yeah, I didn't do it. The persona that has grown within me right. has done it. Uh, Ariana not having sex with me did it. Can we right. go to, can we go to something now? I have dated a lot of women that have given me a lot of trying times, but it has never been on my mind to ever belittle a woman about how she looks. Sandoval already. Are we talking about the the t-shirt comment? Yeah, let me, let me, yeah. Cause I want to, I want to say it from a man's point of view, because I feel like a lot of women speak on it. And I want to obviously hear what you say on it as well. But I feel like it's so easy for a woman to say, like, it was disgusting. But I'm going to as a man, I want I want people to hear, you know, from a straight man who loves women, where my head's at. So when he said, when they're like, oh, well, you know, you had you had sex, whatever, like, you know, you had sex that last time. And he said, yeah, she kept her T-shirt on. It was, you know, it was all, oh, you know, it was like it was great for me. Or it was so attractive. Seeing him say that, and I know Andy Cohen's commented on this, when you are public enemy number one, and you, not let me put it to you like this, there's not a person on the planet that can, that can attack somebody, especially in a vulnerable state like that, and go, oh yeah, I had sex with, with this guy or this girl, and it was so attractive, you know, like their roles were hanging out, or they're, you know, they had a t-shirt on, or whatever. They like he tried to make her sound disgusting in an almost weird way of being like, well, I had to have sex with another woman because this woman is so undesirable. She's boring. She's gross. And when he said what he said, I remember sitting on my bed and thinking to myself already. I mean, this this guy and this girl, I mean, Raquel and and Tom are trash in my book. They're trash. They're trailer trash. And seeing this, I already felt that way. And then he says that, and I was like, you're on an island by yourself. Like, if I'm Schwartz, if I'm anybody, even your best friend, I'm going, dude, I am not going to stand by you in a press conference. You just made a woman sound gross and uh, you're like your live-in partner you made her sound gross and undesirable and through all the stuff you put her through you just basically said to her the last time we had sex with me or the last time you had sex with me it was like you you detested me and i'm gonna say drop his hands his hand when he said it i will tell you uh, from a straight man to a straight man sandoval if if no woman ever wanted to have sex with you again for the rest of your life, I wouldn't blame her. Like if I'm Raquel, like just understand, like you can think I got the guy, but what guy did you get? And when he said that, I was like, he, number one, he's not apologizing. It's not genuine. It's not real. On top of all of that, that sentence in and of itself is something that Ariana will probably never forget. For and 
he needs to understand the effect that that does. And man to man, I genuinely do not think he can get out of that. I agree. I think that it goes to show how unfiltered and unaware of his aware of just like anything he is by saying that because it was as if they were having a personal conversation the way he said it under his breath like yeah she kept her t-shirt on like it was, but it was really as if it wasn't on it was television. just such a douche comment to make it really was it was, but it was such like you thought it wasn't on television so do, but again that's just how unaware he is of like because anything. he is a sociopath he doesn't believe he can be touched think about yes. this why do i say no, 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 i agree because but I don't think he's a serial killer, I, but I do agree. What I'm saying is, is he's on the line. He's en route. Oh, yeah. He's en route. <laughs> like he's, he's a, he's the type of person that has be. and what I mean by serial killer. And obviously do I think he's going to, I mean, I hope not, but what I'm saying is what I'm, what I'm saying when I say serial killer, quote unquote, is that he is living in a world where he has detached himself from his words and actions. And yeah. in his mind, he has no longer taken responsibility for what he is doing. And mm -hmm. by not taking responsibility for these things and rendering himself innocent at all costs, this is what someone does when, when, when you can hurt human life in any way, shape or form, verbally, physically, both, yeah. when you can hurt other people or animals or whatever, and you do not have an attachment to it. That's yeah. what I'm saying, serial killer, sociopath. I'm telling you that right. this man would not surprise me if something came out down the road about him that was just like horrific because I don't believe that he honestly registers anything that he does as offensive or anything that he needs to justify. I think that he, I, I honestly think he's exonerated himself and I think that's crazy. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I think Raquel showed a sign of some awareness when they were in the trailer and she was like, you know, uh, she said something to the effect of like, she said, I don't want like people to think of me this like, I don't want like this. She didn't want. Well, she said me. something to the, the effect of something around like, you were telling me one thing and not, and then I'm seeing it on camera as something else. Right. Well, and so like, in the never before seeing that. She right. said, like, he told me a story and mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell it anymore. Right. And like in the never before scenes last night, you show um, Tom and Ariana going out on a date to like a roller skating rink. And like he, the whole time he's like, he looks so hot today. Like, you look so cute. Like, you look so cute. You look so hot today, like flirty and whatever. So clearly at some point here, he was making an effort to keep his relationship going. Or he was just going to keep two people. And yeah, I mean, I, again, I think the biggest question for normal people is that what, what, what did you think was going to happen here? You know, like, I think at some point he thought that after the show stopped taping, that they would break up and that after a certain amount of time would come out that he and Raquel had something, but it wouldn't ever go back to like, oh, we did this while we're together. I think that's probably what they were thinking. Right. But I think for Raquel's sake, he was telling her he was gonna break up with her sooner. Right. But the way the camera's portraying it to us, it definitely appears like Raquel was also fine with it. I mean, but- She's supposed to be doing a, t I heard that she's gonna come out with a tell all though, like on TMZ or something like that. Like they're gonna do like a big interview with her. 
Because because I because Raquel she's gonna right save now, herself now. No, Raquel right now. My impression of Raquel today is that she is somebody that will use her sins to catapult herself into money and notoriety. Like she will use a disgusting, inhumane thing she did, which is why I'm wearing the shirt today. But mm-hmm. she will, she will, and and for Sandoval too, much love, not really. But there, what what she did, she's gonna, you know, to me, it's like if she writes a book, she goes on tour, you know. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, did she did did she go into this, you know, facility as a way to actually get better, or did she go into this facility because her team of people around her or her family said the only way for this country and this world to feel bad for you is if you look like a victim. And the only way for you to look like a victim is for you to check yourself into a facility. So I'm not totally buying into this was to better her mental health and make her a better person. I think that she would, I think for argument's sake, she went into this facility to create sympathy that she will get, that she will take and put into a book that she will take and put into a tour and that she will try and advocate and try and change herself. I think the long-term plan for Raquel is facility turns into sympathy, turns into a book tour, turns into now all of a sudden she can reinvent herself. I think she's using this as an actress and not as a person, but that is my outside perspective. Right. It's my outside perspective, but I I don't buy the facility because- that woman looked like she was fine with it. And take Killer out of cereal. Tom Sandoval is a cereal cheater. At the beginning of, of Vanderpump Rules, he cheated on Kristen with Ariana. And now he's cheated on Ariana with Raquel. Raquel? I think the only thing that's going to keep him, him and Raquel together is if Raquel gets pregnant or something. Because I... I... This is he. This is who he is as a person. Nothing's going to keep them together. I'm not saying that a leopard can't change his spots. I actually do think Jax has changed. Like I do. I think that some men grow up and change. I really do. I think men are different. I think if you're a woman and you're a cheater, you're probably a cheater because women are mature faster and all that. It, but I think for men, but you can't. Mature, I've said this all along because I have exes that were cheaters too that I think are great people. And it's like you can't compare what somebody did to you in your 20s to who they are as a person in their 40s. Like, it would be like me saying that that the guys who cheated on me in my 20s will never be good husbands. And it's like, well, in their 40s, they probably are, to but be some honest. Of them, some change. people don't change. I mean, I know people, I know people that I met in my, I know people that I met 17 years ago. So I was 20. And being around them last year, they're still the same person and they're still doing the same dumb things. True. And I have, and I know people like that too. I mean, not that that everybody's like that. No. And I'm not saying this is the rule. I just say, I'm just saying that like, I know a lot of guys who are considered cheaters in their twenties who uh, seemingly have great marriages and seem very happy and settled in their life now in their forties. Well, and I mean, I guess to me, but I don't think the point is, I don't think Tom Sandoval's going to change. Do I think Tom no. Schwartz is going to change? I do. I think, I think he, he already has. Girl, and I think he really wants to be a parent and, and all those things. Like, you know, I, I, okay. So I'll bring this up. I watched again, watch last night, never before scenes. And there was a scene where it talked about him and Katie 
before they sold their home, they were still sharing a house and they had one room and one room. Okay. And it showed him coming in in the morning saying, Hey, what should we get to eat today? Like they're being very friendly. And she's almost baby talking like that whole Bubba thing. Like, Oh, sushi sounds good. And da da da. And then they're sitting there talking and he's like, have you been on any dates? And she's like, do you want to know? And he says, yeah. And so she's like, yeah. And she lights up when she says it. And then all of a sudden he started to cry. Yeah. And he said, like, I just wasn't ready for it. And then, you know, it's like, well, then don't ask. And she says under her breath, this is why I got to move out. And it's like, I, uh, this is what I want to bring up. Katie and Tom probably yeah. should have never gotten married, right? They wanted different things out of life. Yeah. Uh, and they're really very different personalities. But I have to say that the, there was a core group of fans that I think did always root for them. And a little bit still do. You want them, you like them as people. You want them to be happy, right? But they don't well, make sense together. No, he's such a breath of fresh air, but he's also such a dumbass. So it's kind of hard to whatever. But I do yeah. hope the best for her, too. But I, I he's mean, playfully ignorant. Yes. But I do think it's interesting to see the way it's interesting to see a civil divorce like that, where, you know, because there's no kids involved and all that. They were really trying to stay friends. And like I we care about each other so much, but maybe we're not meant to be married. I think that that is refreshing to see. Now, obviously, all of this is heightened and the whole Raquel thing has changed the game and the name of all of it. But um, it was just an interesting scene because you don't see that a lot. Like you don't see when people get divorced, you typically think like it's slamming doors and separated and divorced and like, I hate you and separate our finances and we're out. And it's just, it's interesting to see when a couple amicably comes to the decision that like, unfortunately we feel like failures in this. We're sad. We love each other, but we're not in love or we can't maintain. Yeah. I mean, I mean, going through a divorce myself, it was not kind. And I think she, she found ways to like, still try to hit me but like when i was done i was done Mm -hmm. and i mean she could never hurt me and i and 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 there was one point where she said when she left and she had like no money but she's staying at these hotels and going to these expensive places and getting charcuterie boards and i'm like well either your mom's funding you which i wouldn't be surprised because she didn't like me or you know the you're with this guy when you're alone but yeah, I mean, I just remember her going, why didn't you ever chase me? And I said, because I'm a grown ass man and you're a grown ass woman and we're in a grown ass marriage, or at least I was. And when you ran away from your responsibilities, your home, your bills, your dog, like our dog and everything that we had. If somebody then- cheats on you and you don't chase them, good for you. Like you should not chase somebody that cheats on. Now, now if somebody says to you, like, I want you to work harder on our marriage or I'm out and they're just like, you know what? I have to go. This is not what I want. And then you don't chase them. Sure. She has a right to say that. But if you do somebody wrong, they will not chase you. They should not. They do, but but they should not. But that's, that's the sociopath. That's the narcissist. The person that, the person that says to my mom, what was I supposed to do? He wasn't paying attention to me. And two things were wrong with that. Number one, I was paying attention. And number two, and I was trying to build a life and I was trying to build my business, but it's like, I was paying attention to her, but you're telling me that you opened up your vagina because you didn't think your husband gave you enough attention. There is in, in there to me, when we were together, she was sitting on the other side of the couch. She was on her phone. The last year of our marriage, she was taking pictures and videos of herself and they weren't coming to me. So you're, you're saying to my mom, 
he didn't pay attention to me. But when we were in the same room, you didn't pay attention to me. You didn't sit with me. You didn't hug me. You didn't kiss me. So you're you're acting like I was there, but I wasn't there. And any time that I was there, but not there, I was working. But I'm like, hey, I love you. I want to be with you. I just I'm building my business. My hours are different, as you know. Like I don't have nine to five. I have from when I get up to when I go to bed. So I'm typing, but but she's there. And I just remember going like, you're justifying a scumbag and you doing disgusting things because you didn't think you got enough attention. And Unfortunately, though, they say that about women in general, that like, you know, if they're going to cheat, it's emotional. Well, and the, and the thing is, is it wasn't because the caliber of human that she was looking for, which is the caliber of human that she is was such a lower class of human than I am that it was like what you sought out was and was so sick. And the thing that like made me feel like I was on Vanderpump rules is after everything that she did, she said to me about the whole situation, she said, can you believe that when I got ready and all dialed up for this guy? Now she's saying this to her husband at the time going through a divorce. And she's saying to me about when we were in the bathroom and she was doing her hair that day and she looked at me and this is how, like, I want people to understand it's not just Sandoval and it's not just men. She looked at me while she was curling her hair and she said, when you think I'm going to cheat on you, it makes you look disgusting and it makes you look ugly to me. And when you ask me if I'm going to cheat on you or leave you, it makes me unattracted to you. She was saying that while she was curling her hair to go cheat on me that day. And amidst all of this, after it, she says to me months later, she said, can you believe that when I went out to meet this guy? Now she's saying it to me, her husband. She said, can you believe when I went out to meet this guy that he ignored me? He wouldn't come over to me and I invited him to the hotel and he didn't even want to have sex with me. She was asking for me to have sympathy that the guy she tried to cheat on me with wouldn't cheat on her or cheat on uh, the guy she wanted to cheat on me with would not cheat the night she wanted to do it. And she sought sympathy from her husband to feel bad that when she tried to go out on me, the guy didn't want it that specific day. And I remember but looking at her going, the point telling you that? But, but a sociopath, only a sociopath would say to your husband can you believe I tried to cheat on you? And the guy wouldn't let me have sex with him. And she was sad about it. And she like wanted me to like give her a hug. And I remember going, you need some mental health. Like you need some, like you need Jesus. Because well, let me ask you this. Let's go back a minute to what you were saying before. Like, were you, were you like, in, like insecure asking her if she was going to cheat on you before you knew something? Not all the time, but there were, there were times where it was unsolicited and then there were other times where, like, when I was home, she would go to bed at 9 o'clock. When I would travel for work, she would go to bed at 3 a.m. And she would have her friends or her sister come into town, or she would go to them. And she there was numerous occasions where she was always out late, she was always out drinking, and there were numerous times where there were other guys involved. And... This was a Vanderpump moment. I was in New York City and I was at New York Comic Con for Superpowered Pop. 
and I had bought a booth. I spent a ton of money. I was broadcasting live from like the showroom floor. There's 130,000 people there minimum walking around. And she says, I'm going to fly down to New York City. I'm going to come down with my sister and my friend. We're going to celebrate your birthday early because it was early October. And my birthday is October 21st. And so she said, pick where you want to go to eat. Well, I didn't get to pick. So for my surprise birthday party, there was no surprise. And the girls picked the restaurant because they didn't like anything I picked. So I got to go to a restaurant that they wanted to eat at for my birthday. And they had allegedly been drunk since 11 a.m. And her friend decided to blurt out, oh, remember when those guys were buying us? Oh, never mind. And that was the same girl that was with her months. uh, That was the same girl that was with her a year later around the same time when she cheated on me. It was the same girl that went out with her. And so I was like, this feels too Vanderpump for my life. (laughs) I mean, it was just too real. Yeah, I mean, my husband says things to me like that sometimes. Like he'll say, "He's just funny." Like he'll he's like he thinks it's funny, but I don't think it's funny um, because he's kind of jealous anyway. But he'll make comments that are like, "Oh, you and your other boyfriend, or you are out." Da da da. da." And I've actually I've said that to him before too. Like I've been like, "It is not attractive that you constantly say this stuff." Like it's not to me. Like it's not funny to me that you constantly say. Think about her saying it's not attractive that you do this curling her hair when she knows I'm literally telling him, stop thinking I'm going to cheat on you while she's curling her hair to go cheat on me. Like that's, a, soci- that's a sociopath. That's yeah. a sociopath. That's because we know that. But if you, if we did not know that, I would say yeah. that that is annoying. But when women say like, Hey, don't say that to me. I've had women as recently as three weeks ago that would constantly, I was, I was dating a girl and wasn't her, wasn't like boyfriend, girlfriend, none of that, but I was dating her and she would say to me every day or every other day, my phone would go off. Oh, who are those hoes? You got hoes. What's up with your hoes? You got another girl. You cheating on me. What are you doing? You cheating on me. You got another girl. And if I said anything about another guy, she'd like, she's like, why are you so insecure? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like if I recorded you, you have said the word ho more time in two weeks than I've heard in my like 37 years of existence, constantly asking me like, and she'd look over at my phone. Who are those hoes? Oh, you didn't call me back. You were talking to a hoe. You got hoes. You got some hoes. And I was like, why do you keep saying that? Like, that's so weird. Yeah. To me. Well, this it just happened to me this week. I was, you know, when I was away, one of the nights we had gone to dinner and the dinner uh food was served like you know big groups of people like 300 employees like the dinner was served later than it's supposed to be like literally the buses showed up to take us away from dinner when the food was showing up so um we got in probably around i want to say we got back to the hotel around 11 and some people like went to the bar some people went out did whatever i am not one to use i usually don't stay after the function and hang out with work people not that i love my work people so let me just say i've been with them for like 10 years like i love them we all get along great but i work out so i typically am like all right i've drank enough calories today i've eaten enough i need to go to bed so i can get up in the morning and work out so that's neither here nor there but the next day i called in the morning to make sure that you know i wanted to tell the kids have a good day before school and the first thing on the phone, you know, Josh is like, uh, well, we didn't know what happened to you last night. Like, da, da, da. now, mind you, 
I have always traveled for work, always. And I never call at night because we have little kids and Josh goes to bed early. Also, he turns his phone to silent. Like he silenced, not turns his ringer off. It's always silent, but literally turns it to like, do not disturb. So the kids are definitely sleeping in his bed while I'm away, 100%. So I'm sorry at 11 o'clock. No, I did not think to text you guys because you wouldn't, I don't want to disturb, first of all, the kids or anything like that. And like, I knew also they wouldn't be awake. So why would I? But it's, it was just kind of out of character because he's usually not like that. But it was almost like, a, you know, throws it in there. Oh, you went out with your other boyfriend again or something like that. I'm like, yeah, me, me and all my work friends who you know, who also yeah. have children and all these things and know of you and know of us for the last 10 years. Like, we just but, went out. You said sleep in his bed. Are there different beds in your house? Well, there's four bedrooms in our house. But you sleep in the same bed. No, this is not a conversation for today because we have little kids. Listen, anybody with little kids, I bet you're going to relate to this. I just want to throw that out there. What happened was I had Lexi and the night I had Lexi, Josh and Jackson, the next night after having Lexi, I sent Josh home. Okay. Cause my kid had already spent the night with my parents. It was time for Josh to take him home and, and give him some normalcy. Plus I wanted to like be alone with the baby at the hospital because I knew I was going to send the baby off with the nurse so I could sleep all night. I didn't think Josh was going to let me. So I was like, you go. Um, I had great. I love how you're sitting away. there after giving, after having a baby and you're going, if I can get everyone to leave, I can get the nurse to let me sleep tonight. <laughs> I had a friend tell me that she's like, you should let the nurse take the baby. And I was like, you're right. Yeah. I should. So anyway, um, so Josh took Jackson home that night. And from that day on, he was almost three years old. He never once has slept in his own bed again. Never once. Okay. So since that, so we have two situations going on here. We have an anxious dog, extremely anxious. When I'm in the room, she will not let me sleep. It's like every hour she's pawing at me, wanting something. It's weird. So we got to the point that I would leave the room and go into like Jackson's room because the dog was driving me crazy. Like I couldn't sleep. Also, when we had Lexi, I was sleeping in the room with Lexi. It's, yeah. it's hard when you have two and they're both young because when I had Lexi as the baby, I was up at all hours of the night with her. We didn't want Jackson to wake up. So Jackson was staying with Josh. I was staying in Lexi's room. Well, it's just, I now I like to sleep alone. <laughs> now the kids want to sleep. So Lexi, when she turned three, found out when we got her out of crib, found out that Jackson was sleeping in there. So that started her wanting to sleep with Josh and Jackson. So now I still like to sleep alone, except for now Lexi's in the room with Josh and Jackson leaves and comes in with me. So now it's like a whole like thing. I hope you guys are watching on YouTube so you can see all my hand expressions here <laughs> going on. But it's like a whole thing. Little Dan, it, right now, little time. kids are so difficult. And the things that I thought I would never do, I never thought that I would be like, oh, we have our kids sleeping in the bed because they never did that. You know, as babies, they never did that. But now it's just, you get to the point, you're just like, I just want to sleep. So however we can sleep, let's just sleep. Interesting. It's interesting. You can't judge. It's No, it's interesting. It's an interesting. I can't wait for you. Whoever no. this good girl is out here that's going to wife there's, Dan up there's and not, there's him, not one. give him no, a baby okay. give him two at a time please so he can understand what it's like to have two because that just, is the game changer in life i'm just saying you know I, I when i slept in a separate bed of my my grandparents baby. slept in separate beds for a long time because one snored the other one didn't and let me tell you something they seem pretty darn happy no i mean my grandma and my grandpa on my mom's side they had two twin beds that they pushed together. So it looked like one bed, but they still got their own 
but they were together in the same room. But then at the end of my relationship with my ex-wife, I slept in the guest room for three days with my dog. And my dog is notorious for knowing who was right and who was wrong. And if I was wrong, my dog wouldn't sleep with me. And if I was right, my dog would. My dog had no desire to go back in with my ex-wife, nor did I. And I remember like three days in, she's like, are you ever going to come back? And I was like, to watch TV, maybe, but I don't really see myself. Like, I have no desire to sleep. At that point, you knew she cheated on you? Not yet. Oh, you were just breaking up. Yeah, like things were so bad with her for so long that she, like Sandoval or or any of these characters, like, oh, well, things were bad. So I had to go, you know, put my vagina around something. And it's like, no, you you were not nice. And I I mean, I tried to I tried to help us and I wasn't perfect. I mean, I worked. I think the biggest thing was it was hard for me to balance my work home life because I had work at home all the time because I own my business. But there were so many things that she did or didn't do that made it so hard to like be close to her. Like her family would pick on me and be rude to me and disrespect me. And she wouldn't stand up for me. And she's like, well, why, you know, why don't you want to be sexual with me? I was like, because you don't respect me. And I was like, if you don't respect me, I'm not going to like, get intimate with you like that like you don't you don't like you don't treat me like i matter and i am the type of person where it's like i guess i'm not a typical guy no you're because, not because if a woman treats me like i'm below her or my my feelings don't matter or she hangs up on me and cuts me off and i don't deserve to speak like if i'm treated like i don't matter i can't have sex with you i just can't because i I can't, I'm not going to give you my entire self and my vulnerability and my spirit, my mind, my body, my heart. I'm not going to give everything I have to you when you are giving me almost nothing of yourself. To me, it is, sex is supposed to be a beautiful thing, not a transactional getting off. And when a woman treats me like I'm just a penis, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I can't. I'm not a try like I won't. And, and the thing is, I won't even get aroused by it because it's like, right. I'm not, you know what I mean? So well, it's like, I mean, I get that. I don't think I don't think I, I mean, I, I don't think many men would if they're being treated like total shit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they would. Yeah. Like when your mom is treating me like shit for three years and your sister is coming into my house whenever she pleases and wreaking havoc and driving everybody nuts and, and people are fighting and screaming and there's all this stress and I'm running a business. And then you look at me while you're on your phone on Instagram and you're like, well, I'm not going to say anything to them because they're never going to change. So what's the point in speaking? I was like, it's not about them changing. It's about you saying, if you don't change, this is our line. Dan and I are unified. And if you do not change, we love you, but you're not going to come over to the house and pull this stuff. You're not going to call him up and treat him like shit. You're not going to follow him around the house and undermine everything he does. You may never change, but there are consequences. Her thing was they're never going to change. So suck it up and deal with it. And I was like, no, I'm not like your, your family's going to give me a heart attack. And I don't want to die over stupid people that have ridiculous demands of, of other people. Did you not think about that before you got married? No, because her mom was on her best behavior. Like legitimately, her mom 
tried to play a really good, good role. And I got to give her mom credit because she did a pretty darn good job. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I would, I don't know that if I didn't like somebody's family, like, I don't know that I would, I could get married, even if I really loved the person, like, unless we had a very, very deep understanding that they didn't like their family either or something like, I don't know that I could do that because just being married, they play such a significant role in your life, like your in-laws and and cousins and, you know, sisters-in-laws and all those things. It's, it's significant, especially when kids get thrown in. But I, I mean, I would say to you, Every time you have one of these thoughts or you're annoyed or whatnot, you just think you're lucky stars. You didn't have kids because it's very hard to get divorced like that when you do have them. You know what I mean? It's, it's a complication that makes things way different. But that's the thing is like, it makes me sick to talk about it even now. Because I remember two weeks before I found out that she was cheating, which I had thought she was in the past. But two weeks before I found out that she was cheating, where there's like evidence. Right. I sat on the steps going up the stairs to my bedroom and I was by myself in the house and I was going to call my mom and my dad. It was like two o'clock in the afternoon, two, three o'clock. And I just remember sitting there going like, I have to call them and tell them it makes me sick to say it now. I was like, I have to call them and say like, I'm not going to be a dad because I can't have kids with this woman. And what I meant by that was I just was like, our marriage is terrible And it's not even going to be that she's going to want the kids because she wasn't responsible at that time. I don't know what she is now, but she didn't. She she changed jobs like underwear. I mean, when you look back on everything, hindsight 2020, and you say the way that she treated me, the way that her family treated her. Well, if you just look at her and you say the way that she's not all signs pre-marriage, though. But it was like, no, because like there well, there was. But it's like there's things that she did in her life that showed you that she had no commitment to anything. She had I know, no, but this is what I mean when I've said before. Yeah, marriage, yeah I, should, I mean, I saw, I saw enough. Her people lack of, get married because they think that's what they're supposed to do right. or and whatever. Her, and I don't think, I think a lot of people don't get married for the right reasons. You know what no, I mean? I think her that, lack of commitment was evident. But when you go back and you look at all of the decisions she made in really big portions of her life, right? she was never going to stay truly committed to me because she had never stayed truly committed to anything. Right. And, right. and I, and, and like, I didn't want to have, kids. well, yeah. And, and I didn't want to have kids with her because it At wasn't, some point you probably did, but what I didn't want to have kids with her toward once I knew who she was. And once I had gotten to that point and once I knew her family, I didn't want to have kids with her, not just because of her and because I thought that I was raising a child already because her parents decided to not raise her or her sister. I I felt very, and I don't say that as a disrespect to her family, the way that her and her sister treat people, and this is coming from outside of me, this comes from people that met them one time in the service industry. The way that they treated people was as if they thought that they were never, ever in the wrong. And I didn't want to have kids with her at the end because it wasn't going to be her that wanted the kids. Her mother, because of the type of human being her mother was, she was going to use those kids as chess pieces. And her mom was going to say, hey, I don't care if you want the kids or not. We're fighting for custody because I want to see him bleed. 
And, and, and I was never going to let her mom take my kids from me because like, literally if I was in that situation, like I can't, I can't, e- I could, I can't even because everything her mom taught her kids, I was going to have to unteach my kids. It was going to be like, you go see grandma for a week and then dad has to undo that week. And then you go see grandma for a week. And it was just a bad, what I'm talking about though, like, this is what I'm talking about. You guys weren't married that long. So it feels like there was probably signs that were overlooked. And this is when, you know, same with, I mean, to tie it all back really quick to Katie and Schwartz, there were too many signs leading up that we saw play out on TV that she, they should have not gotten married. Right. Like that's the reality, but, but she wanted that ring. She wanted to get married push forward ahead. A lot of people, a lot of people. So if you're listening and you're single or you're in a relationship and you think that the next step is to get married, but you're just not sure that this is the one, it's not the one. And I'm not saying it's perfect. Listen, it is, it, marriage isn't meant to be perfect and you're not meant to find this uh, perfect person, but you are meant to find the diamond in the rough, right? There's gotta be somebody that 90% of that person is, who you want to spend the rest of your life with and take everything out of the equation, the wedding day, the party, everything. Think about, could you see yourself sitting on a porch at 80 years old, no kids, no animals, nothing, just rocking back and forth and having a conversation. If you cannot, there's your answer. And I'd like to put this out there as, as a, uh, I want, I want to put this out there as that should be the gold standard of why or not, why not to get married. That's it. Well, you know, and and I no, and I I agree with you. I mean, the the porch, the porch analogy is something that I've heard before, and I want to bring it back to to Jackson Brittany when Jax went down to Kentucky, and I told you I had Vietnam flashbacks. What I mean by what I mean by that is when I went to Princeton, North Carolina, and if my ex girlfriend is listening. You know what happened down there, and this is not a disrespect to your family. It's the truth. Her family was so hard on me. And it and and like, I mean, she kind of like finally texted it to me. It was like, you know, they kind of just like they don't understand why I'm with this damn Yankee, like this New Yorker. And I was like, I I was I I literally told her, I was like, you know, the war is over. Like the Civil War is over. And by the way. North Carolina was on the upper part of the Mason-Dixon line, which was with New York. They weren't on the bottom half with South Carolina. But, I mean, when when I think back on that time and the dad is like, you know, I'm not sold. And another conversation, I'm not sold. And another conversation, I'm not sold. In, in like, oh, he's got to do this. He's got to And the friends are getting involved and they're yelling at him. And the ex-boyfriend shows up. And, no, but, and, and they have every excuse in the world for Brittany and no excuses for Jax. Like, granted, Jax has made mistakes, but take take what Jax has done in his past out and just put Jax there. He knows nobody there. He's out of his comfort zone. He's in the middle of nowhere. I know exactly what it was like to be in a situation like that with no cameras on and to be with to be around a family that like you could feel in the air just wanted you to get mad. They wanted to make you mad enough to just get on a plane and leave. They, they were like her family did, did enough to me without even having to say much. It was like, they wanted to get me uncomfortable enough that I would just leave so that they could tell her, their daughter, 
he look at he left you like we're going to do all these things that are not really like traceable it's almost like carbon monoxide we're going to put all of this carbon monoxide in the air and we're going to kill him but nobody's going to know how he died it was like we're going to put all these things out into the air that are going to make him uncomfortable enough to leave the room but we're never going to say that there's carbon monoxide in the room and her family just kept trying to make her believe that because I was from New York, I was never going to understand her. So when I watched Jackson Brittany take Kentucky, I found myself getting really at, like aggravated, not with her whole family, but with her friends. With and her dad. Yeah. And the thing, and her dad. But, but, but remember, they had seen him on TV. Okay. So before they ever went down to Kentucky to do this, they had seen him on TV cheat on Stasi pull all these like things, fight in the bars, all these things. So I think that there was a legit concern for her from these people. I, you know, I get what you're saying, but cause you're, but you're not on TV. You right. know what I mean? Like but think about what those girls said. The same girls that had a problem with Jax, they chanted, there are two things that we don't F with snakes and condoms. I don't remember that part. Oh, oh. I remember, you know, but, but let me back up something. I recorded really quick. Jack, it. I'm going to give Jack some props there really quick. Yeah. You know that Jax helped raise money and pay for her sister to do IVF. Well, yeah, he said whatever they raised, he was going to double. He gave them money to do in vitro. No, he he gave them like double their their expectation. So I mean, that to me, I know he was trying to win them over, but to me, like as somebody who my children are IVF kids, like I think that that is. Jax is a really interesting character because like I said, he seems to have made full circle and come back to being this, the voice of reason suddenly. And him and Brittany seem to have a great marriage and all that. And, yeah. and I think that he's found his match, right? But there is a sociopathic piece of him too. Yeah. That, and I don't just mean because he's a cheater. I mean, because to your point, like, no, I didn't cheat on you. Okay, yes, I did. Like, yeah, you know, it's, there's it's just a weird, weird yeah. energy about him. You know what I mean? There's my dog. There's my dog. Um, my dog is sleeping very nicely under underneath my Yeah, sleep. well, my dog's not, hence why I don't sleep in the room with her. <laughs> so, uh, no, but anyway, I mean, I, I, I get it, why they questioned him is my point. I get why they questioned him, but at the same time, he, in my opinion, has proved everyone, including me, who was a Jax fan, um, actually thought he was really hot when he first came on the scene in the first place, but I, I, I think he's proved everybody wrong. Yeah. I mean, I, for him to be to your point on the way they treated him. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, is like that dad did, it just reminded me of like, dude, you're never going to be happy. And the things that they did to him, like, you know, like they give him an ax to chop the tree down and he right. watches them and makes fun of him. Cause he, cause he ain't no. He ain't no country boy. And then he comes up with the chainsaw as like a total dick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's just a dick. And I remember the girl I dated, her father didn't like, he wouldn't even speak to me. He right. would literally look at me like he was like a mute. And then somebody would ask him a question and he would go, oh yeah, I'd love to go there for dinner. And I would go, oh, like, what are your hobbies? And then he would go back to being a mute. And I'm like, you just talked to your wife. You just talked to your daughter. Like, I'm asking you a question, but when I addressed him, he would just, like, look like a statue. Did you really like the girl, though? Like, were you, like, really? Oh, my gosh, I loved her. I mean, there were there was such a chance. Like, we were young. I was 20, 
two and she was 19 and like I genuinely thought to myself this could be the one yeah I mean like I honestly thought like I will move anywhere but if a family treated me that way I I would be like but that's the thing like we didn't date that like, like we 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 were constantly on the breakup alert system because like we would be doing good and then her mom would say something we would be doing good then her dad would say something we would be doing good then her brother would say something but the funniest thing was when we broke i mentioned her on the show before when i know when we broke up and covid happened and we're talking we're talking a decade andrea we're talking 10 11 years she reached out to me i know you told me that yeah wow. and yeah right and had sent me that long thing and she finally like said to me of her entire family that I thought like everybody just wanted me to like go away. She's like, my grandfather really like he spoke about you over the years and he would mention you and he would say, are you happy? Are you with the right man? And it's like, you know what? At least like her grandfather gave me a chance where everybody else was like, he's from New York. He's not from North Carolina. He doesn't know how to dig holes. He doesn't ride on tractors. He doesn't have an accent, so he's not good enough for my daughter. And like, I'm just happy that her grandfather up in heaven. What's up, Pa? Um, I'm just I'm just happy to know if for nothing else that like he he literally took the time to get to know me. And that all those years later, he was he was still like talking to her like what was wrong? Like, you know, Dan's a good guy. And I just I appreciated that because her family Kind of made me feel like the Jack situation, but the difference between Jacks and I is I didn't do anything to their daughter prior to or during. So that was the difference. Like it's not like they could say, "Well, you cheated on our daughter." Right? So they didn't see you on TV being a cheater and a and a aggressive like fighter in the club with a sweater on. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not like I came down there and they're like, "Oh, you know, you you've embarrassed our daughter numerous times." Like that wasn't the case. So that was that was weird to see. And like, I found myself getting really mad on behalf of Jax. You know, I was like, just go home. Like when he left, I didn't like the way he left, but I also like when he went to leave and she said, I'm going to stay. I thought they were going to break up, but I can honestly tell you when that happened, it brought me direct. Like that conversation was like, if I could, if I could picture in picture, what yeah. I went through with the girl I was dating and that moment where he goes, you know, I got to leave. And she's like, I think I'm going to stay for a couple of days. I cannot express to you like. I lived that moment and and it just gut wrenched me and I don't know how he felt during it, but I I felt like, you know, I lost her like there's there's if she doesn't come to the airport with me, then then we're done. And yeah. I mean, look at, I mean, and look at what happened in my case. So, yeah, you know, uh, I'm going to make this cliff notes version. My parents who've been married like 40 something years now at this point, but my dad was 27. My mom was 19. So her parents were not into it. Okay. Yeah. He also had been like previously like divorced. So again, not into it. And, um, they like would not speak to her, nothing. And then she got in this show back in the seventies. There was this like off Broadway show called up with people. And she got in as one of the castmates. So she goes away for the show and she's only known my dad a few months, but he's like, he's decided he's in love with her and he wants her to come back. He wants her to leave her big dream. Okay. So he basically calls her and is like, I'm gonna, 
come to the airport. I'm going to fly out to California or Arizona, wherever she was. And if you're not there, I'll know that we're done. You're like, we're not going to, this is not going to work. But if you're there, you know, I want to marry you like da, 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 da. So my mom being 19 and in love, she leaves her dream and she goes to the airport. And, you know, he even flew out one of his friends with him because he was so he wasn't sure if she was going to show up. So anyway, they're heading back. And my mom's kind of like, well, are we going to get married? Because that's what you said, you know, and then all of a sudden he's like, shit, you're like, (laughs) now, okay." like and I've seen so many men like this when you think you're on the brink of breaking up. And you're you're like willing to just do it all. You're crying. You're the guy with the boombox, right? Outside the house. Like where and I always say that, like nobody's ever stood with the boombox outside of my house. Say anything. Oh, I do it all. I do stuff like, like I that. need the boombox. I need like the do anything. Yeah, say anything. So anyway, um, the point is though, my grandparents were so against him and did not want them together, would not speak to my mom. And like two weeks before the wedding, they went off to be with, uh, I guess they're good friends for a weekend away. And I don't know, we still to this day don't know what they said to them, but they probably said something along the lines of you're gonna lose her if you don't give in. And they they came back with wedding gifts and they were, everything changed. And I'll tell you right, right now, to this, like to, the, to their dying day, um, my dad was, by far their favorite human and i'm telling you right now my dad took care of my my grandmother after my grandfather passed and she was in and out of home or staying at their home i mean my dad was he was retired and he was taking care of her and doing everything i mean they loved my dad and it's crazy because he came from a family where he didn't have a family he had been orphaned and all these things so he didn't even have anything to show him what love was but it's just it's just the irony of it that people are so wanting to control their kid and make sure that their kid doesn't end up with somebody they don't want but if you just get to know them you might find that you love them well and that's what i found interesting is like the last two guys she dated were from north carolina knew how to dig holes, love trackers, and they both cheated on her. And here's this guy from New York that wants to treat her like a queen and they don't want to know me. And I kept saying to her, I'm like, the men that they wanted you to be with treated you like garbage. And the man that they hate that they don't know is literally trying to like give you a life and is willing to like move to North Carolina. So, you know, I just, I always found that interesting in our dynamic and she left people in my family to this day saying you know i wonder what goes through her mind sometimes like there's just people in my family that are like you know what if what what if she just got on that train you know got on that plane someday and said you know what like i made a mistake right you know and that and she's gone to the line of that but she's never like you know and and it's just interesting. It was just interesting to me to see Jax go to Kentucky and, and I was twitching. I was like, ah, I can't. <laughs> so, but, yeah. but yeah. I mean, we've covered a lot here today as we always do. And our, our knowledge of Vanderpump rules is, is uh, second to none right now. Our knowledge of Vanderpump rules is second to none. And we yeah. have like, we, we've, we've successfully talked to you about a show you love while intertwining yeah. things about our own life. And we have not gone off course of what Vanderpump showed you and what we've experienced. So I think Two Mics No Filter should not be one of your new favorite shows. It should be your new favorite show, exclamation point. You can find us on youtube.com backslash at Two Mics No Filter. You can find us on Two Mics No Filter Facebook and Instagram at Two Mics No Filter. And you can search your podcasting platforms and find us on numerous 
platforms just by searching two mics no filter make sure you click follow so you'll get an update from your favorite app be it spotify podbean iHeartRadio, boom play and so on they'll let you know when new episodes come up so you never miss a show again also and, youtube so you can see our face yes please go to youtube and of course uh, i put up for our next show i put up a post on only facebook so far not even on anything else and i said what are some of like dating in today's world topics you want to talk about. And we have gotten an influx of immediate responses. And we got a week to go through this stuff and you've already responded in a huge way. So tell us what you want us to discuss about dating in today's world in modern times. And on the next broadcast, that's what we'll tackle. So with that being said, Andrea, thank you as always for being my other half to this. Thanks, Dan. I hope you guys have a great week.